0: Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The Apostle proceeds now to tell us something about the Word of God. His subject is very clearly stated: the Word of God is quick. So that's his theme. And there are two questions as we enter into this theme tonight. The first is, what it is that Paul says about the Word of God? And that's mainly what we will be looking at, what he says about the Word. But however, there is also another question. And that is, why does Paul say that? Why does he bring in this subject of the word of God at this point? Paul is just giving two verses to it. And it looks a wee bit out of place. And we're wondering why he says this. Why does Paul speak about the word at all at this point? He has spoken about God's rest at the start of the chapter the necessity of faith to enter into God's rest. And then after this, he gets into the subject of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And he spends a lot of time on the priesthood of Jesus Christ. But between those two themes, the necessity of faith to enter into rest, and our great high priest, Jesus Christ, he brings in this short verse about the word of God. And the question is, why? Why does he do that? And I think there are two reasons, at least, why he brings in this theme here presently. And and one of the reasons relates to what is said before this. And then the other reason relates to what he's going to say after this. A conclusion to what's before and a preface to what is to come. The reason why many do not enter into rest is because of unbelief. It's not because of God's Word. God's Word is not the reason why people do not enter into rest. There's nothing wrong with the Word. The Word of God is quick. The Word of God is powerful. There's no shortfall in the Word. And you remember how he started this, this, this chapter. Let us fear lest a promise. A promise of God being left of entering into his rest. Any of you should come short of it. And so what he's saying is there's no shortfall in the promise. But you have unbelief. You may come short because of your unbelief. But there's no shortfall in the word. The word is quick. The word is powerful. The word is mighty. It's the word of God. So it's a kind of a conclusion to that first part. There's not a shortfall in the word. The problem is your unbelief concerning the word. So that's maybe why he is bringing it in here. It's a mighty conclusion then. However, also it's a new introduction to a major theme of the epistle. The priesthood of Christ. That's its major theme. It's mainly about that. The priesthood of Jesus. For sinners. And now he's coming to deal with that. In large and great detail. And he prefaces it with these verses. And therefore we can connect. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful. With verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heaven. You see, the word of God is searching, it's discerning, it's illuminating, it's mighty, it's powerful, and it cuts through everything. And Paul is going to cut through the shadows, and he's going to cut through the darkness, and he's going to cut through the Old Testament types, and the Old Testament pictures, And the Old Testament prophecies, he's going to cut through them. He's going to go deep into the word of God and he's going to penetrate to show us Christ. The great high priest. It's as if he's saying, all that I'm going to say to you about Christ the high priest is grounded on the mighty word of God. And so whenever we come to look at Christ the high priest, we know then that it has this authority of the word of God behind it. So it acts as a kind of a a new preface, a new introduction to a major theme of that word, the priestly work of Jesus Christ. What then does Paul say about the word of God? That's mainly what we want to be taken up with tonight. We want to look at the text And you'll notice that he describes the word of God in two ways. First of all, he describes its name, the word of God. Not the word of men, the erring word of men. Uh, Men who are very limited in their knowledge and understanding. But the word of God. It's a very important title. It's one of the best titles of all for the Bible. What is the Bible? It's the Word of God. And who is God? Or what is God? And Paul tells us there in verse 13 there is no creature that is not manifested in God's sight. All things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him we With whom we have to do. It's the word of one who knows all. Who sees all. From whom there is nothing hidden. There is nothing hidden from his sight. Everything in the cosmos. Everything in human society. Everything even in the depth of every human heart. Everything is naked and opened onto the eyes of him. So he has authority to speak about these things he's the one who can speak about the human heart he's the one who can tell us what we need to know he is omniscient he knows all he sees all he is aware of all and when he speaks he knows and there are no mistakes in his word no errors in anything he says no limitations of knowledge. We are limited and we get things wrong. And even when, after all our studies and the best that we can to make statements on things. We still get it wrong in some way or other. But not God. When he speaks. It's the voice of one who is omniscient. And knows everything. So it's, it's his word. That Paul is speaking about. And also it is the word of a God. What does he say there at the end of verse 13? With whom we have to do. There's no choice about this matter. You have to do with God. There's no escaping it. We all have to do with God. He's our creator. He's going to be our judge. We're going to stand before him. We're going to have to answer to him we're going to have to do with him. And therefore, we're going to have to do with his word. This isn't an optional thing. Whenever Paul says the word of God, it's not something you can take or leave. No, it's the word of him with whom we have to do. And you can't ignore him. You can't ignore his word. You have to do with him. You're doing with him now. You're going to do with him on your deathbed. You're going to do with him in eternity. So you need to do with his word if you're going to have to do with him. And if you're going to have to do with him, you do want to be doing with him in a way that neglects his word and throws aside his word and says his word's irrelevant, it's not important. No. It's the word of God with whom we all have to do. And therefore we have to give heed to this word. So, so that's what he means by it's name, the word of God who knows everything and with whom we have to do. You see, sinners, they don't want to do with God. And they don't want to do with his word. and They don't come out to hear his word. and they, they don't read the Bible. They ignore it. They blot it out. And that's foolhardy. We all have to do with the word. And the best way to do with it is to believe it and obey it. So it's name. But then secondly, he goes to describe its characteristics, its qualities. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharp. Piercing, dividing, discerning. He describes all these characteristics of that mighty word of Almighty God. And the first is quick. In fact, in the Greek text, it's the very first word in the verse quick is the word of God. And that's the first characteristic. That's the first step as we make the claim to see what the Word of God is. The first step that we have to take is the knowledge that it is quick. Now this word quick, it's, it's the old use of the English word that is in place here. It doesn't mean fast, not the opposite of slow. But it's the old word for living. The word of God is living. You remember how the apostle said that it was the Lord who commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, the judge of the living. Of the alive when the Lord comes back again, and even of the dead who have died before he returns again. He's the judge of both the living and the dead. Something that is dead is still. Motion is the sign of life. That's how we know God is living, who has created the world, because there's all this motion in the universe, all this movement of the planets and the stars and the cosmos. It's in continuous motion. Because the living God has imparted life to it. And the evidence of life is motion, movement. And God's word is alive. It's living. It's something that's quick, that's moving. Because it has the life not of a creature. But it has the life of the living Holy Spirit. The living word of God. So the Bible is not something that's dead. It's not lifeless. It's not still. It is a book that has something of the unceasing life of God. It's spirit-breathed, we say. It's not that it was living. No, it is living. It's living still. Even though David penned the Psalms thousands of years ago, even though the Isaiah the prophet is dead and buried and gone. His words given by the Holy Spirit are still living. The prophets are dead. But the word of God abides and lives on. It's spirit breathed. It has this transforming life giving power still. It's fresh. And will be fresh Tomorrow. And will be fresh until the day we die. And until the end of the world. It's still new. Because it's God's breath. A God who can never die. And whose word never ceases in its life-giving power. The grass withers. The flower fades and falls away. But the word of God endures forever. Man's word ends up in the museums, it ends up in the libraries, it ends up being unread, it ends up being a dead letter. If at all man's words survive, and how few of man's words survive, and even those that survive have no life. They're just museum pieces, just Little works of art maybe that have a little interest to some minds. But the word of God is living and active and up to date and fresh. So that's the first step that Paul wants us to take. And he's not just saying it's alive like a man is alive. He's saying it is alive like God is alive. It has a life of God. And God's life is not only endless life and fresh life, but God's life is life-giving life. That's really what Paul is saying. Not just that it's living like God, but it's imparting something of the life of God to sinners. It's quickening. Not just quick, but quickening. You see, God's life imparts life. That's why there's a creation. Because the life of God came into the cosmos. Imparting life. Because that's what God is. He is life and he imparts life. And he wants others to enjoy his life. And so he creates the world. And he wants sinners to enjoy his life. And he gives a saviour in his son Jesus Christ. And he gives this word that we may participate in the life of God in Jesus Christ. So it's it's not just quick, it's quickening. And that brings us to the second step then. Powerful. Quick and powerful. Not just living, but energetic and imparting power. We might say the living word of God is effectual. It imparts vitality to the human soul. It's so essential. You see, it does what the living spirit wants it to do. And the spirit of God, what does he do? He imparts life to men. And he does it by his word. The spirit quickens. And the word quickens. Because the spirit and the word are in union. It's a word of God. It's a quickening word of God. Powerful to change the human heart. The Bible is like Christ in that regard. You remember how he came to Jairus's daughter. She was dead. You remember how he stopped the coffin of the widow's son. Who was dead. You remember at the graveside of Lazarus. Who was dead. But Christ came with his word. The mighty word of God. Arise. Lazarus. Come forth. And life is imparted. By that word. And so the Bible is. is Christ coming to dead sinners. And speaking and imparting life to them. The Bible is Christ coming to dead saints. Saints who are sluggish and lifeless. And it is Christ coming to them and reviving them and quickening them. It's only through the word that this takes place. My sheep hear my voice. My word. And they follow me. And that's how we were converted. By the word of God. When we were awakened whenever we rose up from our tomb of death and came forth to endeavor to humbly and feebly follow Jesus Christ it wasn't the eloquence of a preacher who raised us up to do that it was the powerful word of God that did that that imparted the life and the grace being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible seed By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, this living word of God quickened us, regenerated us. Remember how we saw in the Psalm 119, I will never forget your precepts, Lord. I will never forget your word, because with it thou hast quickened me. He knew it was a living word, a powerful word, a quickening word. The sinner is like that dead man who whenever he was let down into the grave and and he touched the bones of the prophet he became alive again and lived. And that's what the word of God is like. We're dead. But when we touch the bones of the prophets and when we touch the bones of the apostles who give the word of God then life is imparted. And we are revived and refreshed. The Word of God is powerful to revive us. Powerful to quicken us. You know, God's Word is the only thing that can change a sinner. That's why sinners need the Word. It's only the Word of God that imparts life. Preach the Word, in season and out of season. Only the Word. That's the only thing that can change us. And not only can it change an individual, it can change a community. Yes, the word of God is able to change nations and peoples. And it has done so in the past. It turned the Roman Empire from its dark paganism to embrace something of the glory of Christ the Son of God. And then the Reformation, as the word came out of the monasteries as the word came out of the hearts of men who'd been converted by its power like Martin Luther. And they went forth preaching the word and how Europe was reformed and transformed by the mighty word of God. It brought a community out of popery to sing the praises of the Lamb. It raised men out of darkness To begin to sing a new theme that had long lain hidden in the soil. The word of God alone. The scriptures alone bring light. The scriptures alone bring life to people. And so a new sound went throughout Europe. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word. It is because there is no light in them. You know our radio ministry has a great name. Let the Bible speak. What a wonderful name that is. And that's all we have to do. Let the word of God speak. Let the word of God go forth. We don't have to be embarrassed by it. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to paint it and colour it up and package it. No, we just let it speak. We just let the word of God go forth for it is powerful. Mighty to save. The word is devil defeating, Satan destroying. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not weak, but mighty mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds even the strongholds of Satan because the word of a king is powerful and the greatest king of all is God and how powerful then must his word be every saint has experienced something of this every saint knows something of the power of scripture to comfort The power of Scripture to encourage. The power of Scripture to chase away the darkness. The power of Scripture to lift us up and to raise us up. The power of Scripture to bring us to Christ. The power of Scripture to take us by the hand and lead us on with God. The power of Scripture to awaken us and to convict us and to convert us. The power of Scripture when we feel its smile upon us. Our country-wise, when we're in sin, we feel its frown upon us. And thus it humbles us, but also strengthens us. The Apostle takes us another step, because he says, and sharper. And this third step is the most important step of all. He brings us to a kind of a landing here. Quick, powerful, but sharper. And he leaves us on this balcony to think about this. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing like a sword even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's the climax of his description of the word of God. It's not only quick and powerful outside of us but it penetrates. It goes where it's meant to go, into the human heart. It cuts, it enters, it goes deep. It goes deep into the human soul because that's what it's meant to do. And so he's talking to us about the Word of God as a as an instrument of his surgery, as an instrument of his warfare with sin, as an instrument of his bringing life to sinners. The apostle chooses a weapon to illustrate the instrumentality of the word of God. It's a sword. It's not a work of art to just admire. Yes, we look at it as a work. It's literary. It's wonderful literature. It's wonderful poetry. It's wonderful narrative. All its literary forms are unique. It's a work of art. It's wonderful paintings. We admire it. For its artistry, it's a museum piece, it's an archaeological piece, it's a piece of culture, it's something that we can admire and enjoy. But that's not mainly what it's about. It's about getting into the human heart, to penetrate into your soul, to change your heart and soul. It's a weapon. It's not just a work of great literature, though it is that. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the instrument of Almighty God to change the hearts of men. You remember how Paul said, the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here it is again. The Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. The sharpest sword of all. There's none like it. There's none has ever been crafted anywhere near to its likeness. It's sharper than any sword that has ever been crafted on the anvil of men. For it has been sharpened on the anvil of Almighty God. And it goes where no instrumentality of the anvil of men can go. Right into the conscience. Right into the depths of the human soul. We need sword work, brethren and sisters. You see, the Bible is a practical book, isn't it? A living book to make saints and sinners alive. And preaching the Bible should reflect that. Preaching is not a little lecture and a wee talk and a wee ABC and nice wee fine points and a wonderful little homily, a nice wee story, a nice wee piece of art. That makes the people go home as if they've got something nice for their remains. Preaching should reflect what the Bible is to penetrate into your heart, to penetrate into your soul, to get into your conscience, to cut you up, to change you, to awaken you, to alarm you, to deal with your sin, to take out the cancers of impurity out of your soul. That's what the Word of God is for. It is for surgical work of the Holy Spirit. Anytime that we are under the Word, we should feel that we have been in a war zone. We should feel that we have been prodded and probed and searched and cut and entered and penetrated where no man ought to penetrate or can penetrate but God can through his word and does. We ought to feel that we have been interfered with by the Almighty. That's what the word of God is about. And preaching ought to reflect that. And so more often than not, the word of God should make us feel cut. What does the apostle say here? Piercing, dividing asunder is like a butcher shop separating the bone and the muscle of the marrow, cutting up. There's blood everywhere. Even going beyond the material aspects of a man, going down into his soul. Is there a difference between soul and spirit? Are there any distinctions between the two? We don't think so. But the Word of God, if there is a distinction, the Word of God is able to make that distinction and to cut down even between soul and spirit. Because it's God's word. And you can't touch it, but you're cut. It is a strange metaphor for a quickening word that it is called a sword. A sword slays, doesn't make alive. This quickening word slays because we are sinners. And we must be slain by the word before we can be quickened through it. God must do surgery on us. He must put us on the operating table. The cancer has to be cut out. The dead flesh has to be removed before the spiritual health can be restored. And the Word of God has convecting power. That's the problem with preaching today. It doesn't have convecting power. The pride of man has to be slain. The sins of man have to be slain. Our stout hearts have to be smitten. And the only thing that can do it is the word of the Almighty. The word of him who knows us through and through and with whom we have to do. And we don't have to be afraid to do with him. Because he offers us a saviour Jesus Christ through whom we can do with him. Even though we are the greatest of sinners in ourselves. It is the word of the gospel. And so God's word is the only thing that can work in sinners. Sinners don't like to be criticized. And that's one of the most important things that the word of God does. It criticizes us. It tells us that we're wrong. It tells us that that thought is unchristlike. like You see, it's a discerner of the thoughts but also the intents of the heart. The motives. What it is that's driving a man. Oh, you see a man, he does all these good works. He's so busy in the church. He does all these services. It's also wonderful. But God's word goes down to look at the motives and the intents in his heart. Is his aim the glory of God? Or the promotion of himself? Is his thought about himself? Or is his thought about his God? The intents, the motives, it goes down there. Oh, it's really searching. It's really humbling. And so the Bible doesn't make us feel good about ourselves. If you ever feel good about yourself, the Bible is not penetrating you. It's not getting into you. Where's the feeling caught up in that? Where's the cutting and dividing and the bloodshedding and the hurt and the piercing in that? We should feel the word piercing. Piercing what does this mean then in your life and very quickly I close with just a few thoughts of application well it means congregation that we should love and reverence God's holy word that we should have complete confidence in it that we should see that it's vital in our life that God wishes me well and God wishes me better and God wishes me health spiritual health And he has given the word to bring that about. And he wants to put us on the operating table. To be under the searching ministry of God's word. Reverence that. Come in the anticipation of God working in you through his word. Want God to work in you. And so this shows us that our spiritual health depends on scripture. Scripture. It depends on the word, but well, why do I feed you the word every week? Why do I put the effort into the word? He's preparing the Word to cut into you, to operate on you, to bring to you life, God's life, Holy Spirit life. And it depends on Scripture, and you should see how important Scripture is. What would you, ask what you want your minister to do? Do you want him to be a clown? Do you want him to entertain you? Do you want him to give you jokes? Do you want him to make you feel good every day and every week? Or do you want to come under the surgery of the word of God? And so depend on scripture. And see why the Christian pulpit exists. And what preaching is all about. And it shows you that you should bring yourself then under it. And that be concerned if it's not getting into you, if it's not penetrating you. You want the Word of God to penetrate. Lord, it's the entrance of your Word that brings light. It has to penetrate. And we have to remove all those things that keep the Word out the prejudices, the bitterness, the hardness of heart, the being taken up with the material things, the being concerned about all other things shielding our hearts from the penetrating word of God lay aside all these things and let the word penetrate the penetration of the word piercing cutting dividing so let let the Bible search you and criticize you don't criticize the Bible don't cut up the Bible search the Bible yes but search it In order to it search in you. Pray. That the word of the Lord may have. Free course. Let thy word enter into me Lord say. And know that this. Conviction this cutting. This piercing this hurting. This criticizing. This searching out are intense. And their motives even. So that we begin to feel bad about our hearts, this is all necessary, because it is the Holy Spirit's preparation to bring us to the High priest, who he's going on to talk about that. I need that high priest, because that word has cut me. That word has shown me my sin. That word has shown me that my motives have not been right. That my motives have not been the glory of God. That word shows me that I'm selfish to the core. That I'm but a sinner. And I need this high priest. That the apostle now is going to tell us about. The high priest who deals with sin. The high priest who has compassion on us. Even with our sinful hearts. The high priest who will bring us to God. In his marvelous grace. If we turn to him and believe on him. And so the word of God is the preparation for us to come rightly to the great high Priest. The word of God is what makes us feel our need of a saviour and of the cleansing blood that can enter into those dark chambers of the human heart where such depravity has been seen by the word of God. Oh, let us not fear to be searched by Scripture. Because the more it searches us, the more it drives us to Jesus Christ, our blessed Saviour. And to Him be all glory.